welcome to the Intentional Clinician Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Kraus, Licensed Professional Counselor. In today's episode, I'm going to be interviewing Stephanie Arend, who is an internationally renowned German yin yoga instructor, a holistic health coach, nutritionist, and energy worker. She is the best-selling author of six yin yoga books, Be Healthy with Yin Yoga, The Gentle Way to Free Your Body of Everyday Ailments and Emotional Stresses, is her first English-language book. I am so excited for you if you have not heard anything about yin yoga before, or if you're a yoga fan, this episode is for you. If you are a longtime listener of the Intentional Clinician Podcast, please pause this episode right now and go over to iTunes and leave us a rating. I would surely appreciate it. If you are new to this show and are looking for psychology, philosophy, and unedited long-form interviews about life, music, culture, psychology, counseling, trauma-informed and science-based perspectives, and more, I would urge you to subscribe right now. A little bit more about Stephanie RN before we get to the interview. Before becoming a yoga instructor, Stephanie studied English, Spanish, and French, and following her graduation, she worked as a translator for several companies based in Germany. She started practicing yoga at age 27. After the birth of her first child, she decided to change her life and career. She said, When my first daughter was born, I felt a strong urge to do the best I could do to raise her into a healthy human being. That's why I started studying nutrition and holistic health-related issues. She started teaching yoga after her second child was born. Stephanie eventually opened her own studio, which she ran for almost 10 years. Concurrently, she studied nutrition and different health practices, which allowed her to bring an integrated, holistic approach to help people on their self-healing journey. After attending many yoga teacher trainings for various styles of yoga, she finally came across yin yoga and realized that this was exactly what she had been looking for. Like most yoga practitioners, Stephanie started out with yang styles of yoga. After having practiced yang yoga for many years, she said, I felt I was wearing myself out and had a strong desire for a practice which was more nourishing to me. Yin yoga could give me exactly what I needed. And I've heard the same from many other women who were starting to deal with the first symptoms of menopause because their bodies were changing and demanding a different experience. Stephanie's first yin yoga teacher was Paul Grilly, who is credited as developing the yin yoga style that is taught across North America and in Europe. Grilly developed his own style of yin yoga by combining stretching poses with the knowledge of the meridians and stressed the importance of the individual anatomy. This is how he turned this style of yoga into a functional approach in comparison to yoga styles with many standardized alignment rules. Stephanie says, Paul was a mentor who has been a great inspiration and influence on my personal yoga practice. His use of gentle passive stretches held for a long time combined with the teachings about the meridians and the extensive knowledge of the individual anatomy of a person upon the positions deeply moved and motivated me. The author of six books, Stephanie's first book, Yin Yoga, The Gentle Path to the Inner Center, became a bestseller and was voted Best Yoga Book of the Year in 2011 by Yoga Guide and is considered a classic in the genre. Sura Namaskar, The Sun Salutation, was named Best Yoga Book of the Year in 2014. She also has released three DVDs. Her books have been translated into five languages. Stephanie is thrilled to offer Be Healthy with Yin Yoga to English-speaking readers. A renowned yin yoga instructor and author in Europe, Stephanie RN now offers teacher trainings primarily in Germany, Switzerland, and Austria, as well as seeing clients in her holistic health practice. She lives with her husband and two children in a town not far from Cologne, Germany. 
You can visit her website, which will be in the show notes, and her YouTube channel for more information. She has a lot of really cool stuff on her YouTube. So, without further introduction, let's get to the interview. Okay, Stephanie Arend, welcome to the Intentional Clinician Podcast. I'm so glad to have you on. Thank you so much for having me, Paul. I'm excited to be here. Wonderful. And I know we are speaking at different times of the day. It is currently noon Eastern time, and I believe it's 6 p.m. where you are in Germany. That's right. So it's my first international interview, and so I'm very uh, excited about that, um, to have you on the show from another continent. And, uh, well, let's talk about a little bit about your book. I've been reading Be Healthy Within Yoga, The Gentle Way to Free Your Body of Everyday Ailments and Emotional Stresses. I'm excited about this. There's been a big mindfulness movement in the United States, so much so that I'm pretty sure there's going to be mindful soft drinks pretty soon because it's kind of been watered down um, over the years since John Kabat-Zinn kind of brought it over and, well, medicalized it so that people could accept it. Um, so yin yoga to me is a little bit related to that, uh, but there's also a big yoga push here in the United States. Uh, a lot of yoga, a lot of interest in yoga, putting yoga in schools. Um, I li I've lived on the West Coast uh, as well, and I'm there part of the year as well. And in the West Coast, if you, it, yoga is just like, of course I went to yoga. It's kind of like the thing you do. Like you have to go to yoga. If you're an athlete, you go to yoga because you got to somehow stretch and be flexible. And then if you're just a healthy person, you should be going once a week. Uh, where I live uh, part of the year in the Midwest here, um, yoga is very popular in the city I'm in. Uh, I mean, there must be, I'm not even kidding, probably 25 yoga studios and we only have about a million people. So it's big, but in the rural areas, I have noticed in this state where I live um, in the forest of Michigan, there are not many yoga studios. So I, I think it's still kind of a urban thing here where on the West Coast, it seems to be just everywhere. Um, so I'm excited about that, but I, yin yoga is not exactly what most people might be experiencing if they're going into a um, sta standard yoga studio, which mostly practice vinyasa, um, which I'm probably don't know the exact Sanskrit name for that, but essentially it's the flow yoga. If you've gone on YouTube and you've seen people in yoga poses and they're standing up um, looking like a warrior or something, that is a vinyasa pose. And that's more active and more uh, warm and more strength building and kind of like an exercise class in a way it can be, um, especially if you go to like the YMCA, which is a health club here, they kind of have their own yoga version. So it's a lot of different forms of yoga, but I, I would love to focus on yin yoga and maybe talk about a little bit about what yin yoga is and how it's different than what maybe people have been accustomed to if they've just started to learn about yoga. Well, yin yoga is actually the opposite of vinyasa yoga. Vinyasa yoga is an active um, form of yoga, and yin yoga is very passive. And um, like Ashtanga yoga, Kundalini yoga, there are so many styles which are active, and I would consider them to be a yang form of yoga. And you um, work with your muscles there, you um, focus on the breath, and you hold the poses, usually five to eight breaths. And in yin yoga, you let yourself sink into a pose and you stay passive. You don't really use your muscles, but you focus more on the fascia instead. And you hold the poses for about three to five minutes, sometimes even longer if you want. But um, 
Yeah, it's the missing link, actually. If you if you want to have um, a yoga practice where everything is combined, then you also need the yin part. Yes, and I think that is a very good point, is that we need to balance. And if people have seen, I believe, I don't want to butcher this, I didn't have notes on this, but the Taoist symbol of the yin-yang is a Taoist, I hope. Uh, and kind of there, there is a balance of the of the I'm not sure which one's which but the black and the white kind of like making in the circle and then there's a black spot in the white and a white spot in the black um so you're talking about in the same idea of that which you could probably expound upon the importance of balancing your yoga or exercise practice can you tell us why that is important well, I also used to practice only yang styles of yoga for the first 10 years or, yeah, I think for about the first 10 years. And then um, I had a whole bunch of injuries and they didn't want to heal anymore. And um, my body was just exhausted from all that yang energy and my yin was completely depleted. And um, we always need both, like you mentioned, the yin and yang sign. Um, it's like day and night, and we need both. The one cannot exist without the other. And um, I was um, in chronic back pain when I did my yang practice. I also did it excessively, I have to say. And I also had a martial arts practice, and I did way too much of that, too. And... Um, the pain didn't go away no matter what I did. And when I started to implement yin yoga, everything could heal. My injuries were, um, were fine again and my back pain was gone all of a sudden. When I started um, practicing yin yoga, all my injuries could finally heal and also my back pain was suddenly gone and nothing else helped me before. And then it just made sense to me that my fascia was totally stressed and um, stressed in a negative way. And then when I focused on my fascia in a good way in my yin yoga practice, my pain was was gone. And um, yeah, fascia, fascia is oftentimes related to a lot of uh, pain we have in the body, but a lot of people don't know about that. Well, I would actually like to, I was just looking at some of my notes from your book, but I would actually like to see if we could actually define for some of the listeners a few terms that I think are very important, which would be yin, yang, and fascia. I think those are important terms, um, and I've got some of it here, but if do you have any off the top of your head that you would like to share? Well, you could say that mus muscles are more yang and fascia is more yin um, mm -hmm. and, um, regarding, regarding the body. Like, um, the deeper you get, the more yin it gets, it gets, and muscles are more on the surface, and then the fascia is deeper, or it's also around the muscle, but also within, within the muscle, inside of the muscle, and you could consider it like that. The deeper you get into the body, the more it is the yin part, and the more it is on the surface, the more it is the yang part. And so from Chinese medicine, uh, the yin and the yang, the yin stands for darkness, cold, and passivity, where yang represents light, heat, and activity. And it all kind of blends together in some sort of balance. Um, the yin-yang symbol demonstrates via the opposing dot in each sign that yin also possesses some yang, and yang also carries some yin. We also have some divisions in yin and yang in the body for the organs and meridians, as well as the tissues. As for the tissues, you kind of go into that in much uh, depth in terms of the Chinese medicine and the science that's emerging around the meridians and the fascia and what the fascia is. Um, 
and the fascia is i'm i'm not exactly totally sure how to define that but i it, it was like a theory and now it seems to be being studied in science as sort of like kind of like what's con what's bringing your tissues together or holding your tissues together can you expound upon that a little bit yes exactly it's the soft part of the connective tissue mm -hmm. and um well yeah everything is actually wrapped in fascia inside of our body our organs the muscles even the bones everything is wrapped in fascia excellent and so when you were you talked about all of these yang style exercises where you were just like, you know, training in martial arts and doing all these sort of strength building things. And then you felt like you had injuries and other issues and there was not a balance. And then when you discovered yin yoga, um, things started to change and things happen. What we're going to talk to on a, on a deep physical tissue level, but also a mental emotional level as well. Um, and I think that's the interesting part for people to have to wrap their minds around, which is the first part is that yin yoga is passive. It's not that you're just holding something that hurts for five minutes. You're supposed to hold a certain position to align with, you know, the way that yin yoga was invented, um, to align to certain ideals and poses, but they're kind of also custom to the person's body. Is that correct? Yes, absolutely. There is no alignment for everybody in yin yoga, but there is just a personal individual alignment. And when you go into a pose, you really have to feel into it and check, does that feel good to me? Is that a good kind of pain or is it a bad kind of pain? And I never had that in my yang practice because there was so much alignment, which just didn't fit for my body. And that's how these injuries happened to me when teachers pushed me into poses which were not meant to be for my body. And then yin yoga, you can just, um, yeah, feel into it and do it the way you think is right for your body. And so in a way, I was actually thinking of yin yoga as uh, almost like a lost language um, that we're needing to bring back into uh, the world culture because... Uh, in the Western world, and I believe Germany would count for this, uh, there's a lot of emphasis on thinking uh, and belief systems and uh, focusing on, um, well, let's just talk about electronics. So, you know, reading books or listening to materials, watching videos, um, being on a computer for your job, a lot of people are, and sort of just thinking and being in our minds dwelling in our minds and kind of ignoring the body. Um, and, and I know that everyone's saying, okay, we should exercise and we should, you know, do this, you know, these, uh, I guess the other type of yoga, the yang yoga, uh, the, the popular Ashtanga practices, vinyasas and get back to our body for an hour a day or something like that. And I think yin yoga is going beyond that. It's, it's also, it's kind of like getting to know your body and also using some principles and that that regular stretching and exercise can't get to. In fact, a lot of what I understand from exercise, popular exercise in the US is that they'll say, okay, let's hold this stretch here for 30 seconds. Uh, put your elbow above your head and pull down for 30 seconds, maybe 60, right? Breathe. Now do the other side, 30, 60. And I guess 
I'm not a physiologist, but I guess that stretches some muscle. And so you can have the sense that I've stretched, but to really, really stretch and get in tune with your body, it takes a lot more patience. And I think patience is also something that's being lost in the world uh, culture. Uh, and every almost every element of the world culture that we can control, we want to speed things up. Uh, we want everything to be faster. We want our crops faster. We want our we don't we don't want to wait for a letter to arrive. We'll send an e card, uh, which is also there's benefits to each pros and cons. But just this this rush fast food is a thing, right? And now you can get fast sushi at the gas station, and that's a little scary, but people eat it. Um, and all these things, and I think there's a loss of of waiting and patience, which I do think as a psychologist. Uh, in, in the field of psychology, I feel that it is we're losing an ability to have a meta awareness and and be able to understand why we think certain things and also that we are not our thoughts and also that we m must be in touch with the fact that we're a mammal and that we have desires and impulses and and how to evaluate those without becoming a compulsive person and on, on whatever level or a controlled person by whatever we're uh, exposing ourselves to. So I, I, I want to talk about yin in terms of whatever your thoughts are on that, but like bringing in patience and the benefits of them, of not only the physical, but the mental emotional. What are your thoughts on that? Well, yeah, yin does teach you patience for sure. <laughs> because if you're stuck with your body for three, four or five minutes, um, then you you just have to listen what your soul um, wants to tell you. I always call my yin practice my personal connection to my soul. Because um, when everything is so loud and busy around us, we are usually not connected to our soul. And we just don't listen because the soul, the soul speaks very softly, very quietly. And in the yin practice, we get the chance again to connect to our soul and to, to just see what is happening inside of me. What do I feel on the emotional level? And also um, so many um, experiences are stored in our body. Um, so much pain for a lot of people, things we don't want to look at. But if we don't want to look at that, it also stays in our body. And yin gives us a chance to to come to peace with these emotions and to accept them and heal them in that way. So for me, it's a very important practice. If you want to look deeper, it's like a meditation, actually. Yes, and um, I think that there's, a, in especially the United States, I can't speak for Germany, but there's a uh, an idea that I need to be strong and powerful and uh, I'm an individual and I need to move past things and I need to barrel through things and I need to fight things and I need to just do it. That's a Nike symbol or their slogan. Just do it. I need to be stronger. I need to overcome. And that's a sort of a an idea in the culture that's sort of we're all marinating in. Um, but from psychology, uh, a lot of the newer psychology that's coming back, which is more of the mind-body uh, psychology and the trauma-informed therapies that I'm involved in here, uh, we've learned many things from ancient wisdom and then combined them in, with modern techniques. And what do you know? When you do the science, when the scientific studies come out, they work better um, than what I would call the older styles of therapy, which were much more culturally based. 
uh, based on the person and talking and thinking a certain way, allowing and understanding that people have wisdom inside of them, but that there are the symptoms or pathologies that arise are there for a reason. And what is that reason? And that person to discover that can be scary. A lot of people don't want to do that work. They don't want to sit there for five minutes and find out what comes up. There's excuses. I'm bored. This isn't doing anything for me. I'm not getting the results uh, fast enough. Um, or I don't really want to know what goes on in my head. I would much rather focus on this spreadsheet and whatever money I'm making or whatever goal I have. And what I found from psychology, and I don't, I've, now I forgot who said this, but what we resist persists. So, and that is so true in, in mental health. Uh, it's it's interesting. So like when people are afraid of, like for instance, somebody might be dep- have a depression for, for months. And if they don't acknowledge the depression, the depression seems to get worse. And it's physical and mental. And then when they finally, if they finally find a therapist that's allowing them to not just reprogram their mind like a computer, but understand why the depression is there, what the depression wants to say, uh, what the depression wants from them, uh, how they can learn to accept and integrate with the depression so that the depression is able to naturally run its course. Or like I like to say, emotions are like waves in the ocean. There's a tide that comes in and a tide that comes out. And if we block that, um, we're creating all sorts of disruption. So once they, what, if a person can do that, it's not only that they start feeling less depressed because they've addressed it, which is the goal, obviously, of therapy, um, is that I would like to not have these symptoms. Uh, but they also are then actually, oddly enough, stronger because they've integrated the experience of depression and what they've learned from the depression into their new schema, their new narrative to um, help them on their journey. And so what I hear about yin is that not only is this physically beneficial on a a large level of getting to know your body and um, stretching deep tissues and uh, material that needs to be stretched, which often is not stretched enough, uh, I've heard that discussed in the athletic communities, it's also having you allow emotions to come and rise to the surface and experiences and feelings that may have been suppressed or repressed or hidden. Um, And I I did mention that was scary, but can I ask you just in a way, like for a student who might be starting out a yin yoga class, do you have any advice about what they should do if they start feeling emotions rise to the surface? Well, I would say... Um, just, just see how much of that you can take and, um, just, well, there's, there's something we say, um, just invite, invite the emotions for a cup of tea and then you sit down with these emotions and just talk and ask, for example, okay, I see you, I I see you and I know you, but why are you here? What do you want to tell me? And usually we get an answer and the first answer we get, that's our intuition and that's really um, important to look at that. And if you think, okay, I, I cannot handle this right now, then come back to your breath, for example. Focus on the breath just like an anchor so you can get away again from the emotion. Or you can also get out of the pose and come to a child's pose, for example, or just lay flat on the, on the yoga mat and, um, yeah, just feel your body in a different way then. 
Wonderful. And and the interesting thing for people that are getting interested in yin yoga is that it is it is both relatively simple and extremely complex. The good news is for you, the student, you don't have to know the complex part. You have to do the simple part. Let the teacher understand the complex, deep elements of how to do it and why to do it. And like you said, you had a simple metaphor. Let's have it, or your emotions up for a cup of tea. And if it's too much, take a break um, and focus back on your breath, which in uh, mindfulness space, stress reduction techniques, um, you know, breathing and getting aligned with your breath and how your torso uh, moves and opens and closes and moves up and down. And your awareness is an easy way to get what's called grounded. And I like that term. But for instance, for, I don't know, there's so many metaphors with grounded, but here's one. So if you're up on a tall building and you're up on the balcony and you look over, it can be very scary and we feel dizzy and anxious, right? But if we're in a meadow on a blanket under a tree and we feel the earth beneath us and it's a nice, warm, sunny day, we feel close to the ground, but we feel more calm and centered. Whereas if, and I might be able to maybe focus on reading a book or a book of poetry, but if I'm on a tall building looking over the edge trying to read, I'm probably going to have a little bit of trouble because part of my, uh, my lower brain stem is possibly producing ideas that I should step away from the edge and possibly go down to the first floor because it's a little scary up there. Um, that's a little metaphor for that. Uh, I don't know the overall point I was trying to make there, but, but the <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I, I totally like that because yin yoga is very grounding because most poses we um, hold are on the floor. Either we sit or we lay down on the floor and just that in itself is already so, so very grounding. Yes, and I think it's a much different than laying down in a bed to sleep. So I think people, I've, I mean, I've, this is, I just like addressing criticisms that are not well thought out. But here's one: Well, I sleep for eight hours a night. Isn't that good enough? You know, isn't that giving my body a break? Uh, that's a common excuse. So, what would you say as a Yin yoga teacher making a nice response to that? Well, that is actually also part of the yin practice because we say that the inner energies of the night are yin and the energies of the day are yang. And during the night, we um, we nourish our yin energy, but we don't do it on a conscious level. We mm. we might have dreams, but um, dreams is also are also a way of of the soul trying to tell us something but a lot of people don't even rem remember their dreams when they wake up and in the yin practice you do it on a conscious level and you you want to get in touch with um what's underneath the surface and when you sleep you don't really realize that yes and so the benefits of yin yoga are many and i think the hard part for people is that they want a quick they want a quick answer to something and they want results. And what we see is that through this patience, your payoff is much larger because if you're in a, any part of your life, let's just say a difficult part of your life, yin yoga is going to help you get resources and strengths to be able to not only heal physically in some way, because our body has a natural healing component to it, but it will also possibly be able to direct you and guide you on what you, what might be your next step mentally or it also, if you have a busy, busy life, it might help you contemplate, why am I so busy? And what are these things that I'm valuing? And what does, like you said, like your deeper self or the soul want from me? 
and what is it what does it want for if i'm in relationships what what are my relationships needing for me but what am i needing from my relationships what am i what is the part of me that's not getting nourished in some way and how can i facilitate that in a healthy manner um so i love it uh, because it's it's not just sitting and breathing because i like mindfulness i've been practicing that for a long time um on and off of course because that's how that's how i've lived is a little bit all over the place but when i do mindfulness consistently which i'm now on another consistent binge of several months of doing it in the morning and uh having this whole mindfulness practice i feel clear clarity i feel that i can make decisions i i don't if there's something bothering me i can journal about it after my uh, mindfulness session and i think yin yoga is going one step further it's taking kind of this mindful breathing and being awareness to the entire body and it's taking you away from possible distractions because well before coronavirus uh you know decided to invade the the planet we could all go into a room and kind of have a community of of like-minded people doing this which i'm hoping will come back sooner or later um but it's it's giving you an ample space to do it and i and i'm wondering about i know there's not really a right answer for this but can someone do yin yoga in half an hour if they don't can't go to a class could they do it in half an hour or do you recommend more time than that oh absolutely sometimes when i'm um when i'm writing a book for example i'm super busy for 16 18 hours a day and um when I still have a feeling I need to do a little bit of yin practice before I go to bed. And sometimes it's only 10 minutes. And still that has an effect on my energy level. So 5, 10, 15 minutes, that's, that's great. It's better than nothing. It doesn't have to be one and a half hours um, for, for a session. Definitely not. Very good. Okay, so that's good. And I believe you cover this in your book, which is actually you have six books. Is that true? Six um, books? Seven now. The, oh. the English one is my seventh one. Oh, the seventh book. Seventh book. And so your other books are written in German? Yes, exactly. And then they've been translated. Mm -hmm. uh, but this is the first one you wrote in English. Yes, correct. Okay, wonderful. So I'm going to definitely put all those book links in the uh, notes for people to find out about... Um, how they can read about this because a podcast is a good way to get introduced to a subject, but it's not a good way to get everything you need from a subject. Uh, it's kind of like we're having a, like you said, we're having a little cup of tea. And then if you want to get into it, you really have to, you know, take more time with it. Um, I want to talk a bit more about kind of the emerging science and tradition behind yin yoga. For instance, we've been talking about the fascia, and I did mention offhandedly the, the innate healing process of the body. So here's my example for that. So here you are walking along, and you, you, a tree branch, which a deer has been gnawing at, is sharp, and it cuts your skin. Now, whether or not you go put ointment on that skin, as long as you don't need stitches, whether or not you put ointment on that or not, and you just let it, your body will, you know, the blood will clot, and it'll eventually form a scab. And then the scab will fall off, and then you're you're you will no longer have a cut. Um, for instance, people may not know this, but when you get a virus, what happens is that uh, you know before you get the virus, you you actually oh, I'm sorry before you show symptoms of having the virus for most viruses for a couple of days, and who knows how long with COVID nineteen, but for a few days at least, you actually don't show symptoms. 
you actually probably feel quite actually energetic because your body is currently starting to fight this thing off. And then when it really, when the immune system really kicks in, that's when you get, you know, the, the nausea and the, the running nose and the cough. And that is our body's, um, that's a reaction to our immune system fighting off this virus and creating antibodies. Um, so our body's doing this, whether or not, whatever we do to it or not, you know, we can enhance it with certain methods and nutrition and, um, trying to balance our diets and our, our lives and our time and our, and our physical movement. But we can also, um, kind of what I call retoxify and we can just drink tons of alcohol and eat gob loads of sugar, which do wonderful things for the immune system. That's sarcasm. They do bad things for your immune system. Um, you know, and, but the yin yoga in, in a way is tapping into some principles that are, are then the body naturally does. So, um, let's, what do you have to say about kind of the yin yoga, how to facilitating some natural healing, uh, in the body? Well, it helps us to activate the self-healing capacities like an um, acupuncture session, for example. Um, and when we do the poses, it has an effect on the meridians, which are our energy channels. And um, when we focus on these, then the flow of energy gets harmonized again. And the body knows exactly what it needs. Some people have too much energy, some have too little, and the yin practice, just like acupuncture, tries to balance that out. So we get um, yeah, the, the best of our health after such a practice. And you can also focus on a um, certain organ, for example. I knew that I had some issues with my liver many years ago because... Um, my eyes got weaker and weaker and the eyes are, um, they have um, a relationship with the liver. And when I focused on the liver in my practice, my eyes got better all of a sudden. That didn't happen overnight, but with a constant practice, um, my glasses got, um, I had to, I had to get new glasses because, um, yeah, my eyes improved by, um, yeah, by the practice. And you can do that with every organ, for example. So that's pretty amazing. That's wonderful. And that does kind of align with Chinese medicine um, because you talk about the meridians. And I, I've had quite a bit of acupuncture done on me um, and I really enjoy it. And actually acupuncture is getting more popular here in the US. And also I read that the Veterans Administration, which is known to be the least progressive hospital in the United States, is using acupuncture uh, in California at multiple sites um, instead of or or to reduce uh, use of pain medication in veterans with uh, injuries, physical injuries. And I think the Western medicine, um, they don't like, the, the, the paradigm's different. Uh, they're looking to like beat the heck out of something, you know, with, with drugs and uh, or suppress symptoms to make you be able to keep... Uh, you know, doing whatever you're doing to your body or eating whatever you're allergic to. So you can kind of do what you want um, and not listen to the body. But, and that's a very gross opinion. So I understand that uh, that may not be totally accurate because it also does some great things like heal my bones and, you know, make sure I uh, don't die if I have some sort of terrible thing. But I'm talking about the paradigm for regular primary care. Uh, and the, and the, the primary care 
of Western medicine, they want this sort of like mechanism of action, right? That we can study in a lab and we can isolate it and maybe like, I don't know, get some mouse to react with acupuncture or with yin yoga, right? And that's, and the hard part about that is the, the, it seems like the results of yin yoga happen over time. Like the type of study we need to do with this is somebody practicing yin yoga for two years, you know, and what was their life like before? And what were their health measures before? What were they afterwards? And it's easier with, I don't know, I don't know if it's easier, but there's been a lot of studies on mindfulness showing that 90 days of doing 20 minutes of mindfulness breathing a day improves cardiovascular functioning. Um, it helps uh, people's stress levels go down, anxiety levels go down, depression levels reduce, concentration levels uh, for college students, their test scores improved, sleep improved. And it's just so easy. You know, we're doing this 20 minute mindfulness thing. But for, for yin yoga, it seems like, and I think you could see those same results, but it, I, there, I don't know if there's been that many studies on this in the, in the Western medicine world. Can you talk a little bit about that? If there are studies on yin yoga in the, in the Western medicine world? Well, just <laughs> whatever. <laughs> I, I said a lot of things, but you know, is it something that we can, how do we convince people that are not ready for it to, to, give, it a, to give it a shot, I suppose? Well, just give it a try and see what happens to your body, how you feel after that. I had so many students who were in terrible back pain, for example, and just after one yin yoga class, they said like, wow, this is so much better by now. And um, it is not a quick fix like Western medicine and Western medicine can be great. Like if I have a broken bone, um, then TCM will not do much for me. Then I need Western medicine. But if I have, for example, skin rashes or problems with my gut, then these are things where you can look deeper and, and look at the cause of that disease. And um, that's what I'm missing in Western medicine. They're just treating the symptom. And in TCM, we're looking for the cause. And usually that takes a little bit longer to find out and to heal the cause. But then you should be done and through with the whole thing. Exactly. So TCM is traditional Chinese medicine, uh, is what you're referring to. Yes, it does take longer and it takes more devotion and takes more time. Um, and so, but there, there are many benefits to it. So. I was wondering about yin yoga and it seems like pain is a big one. Like a lot of people are in pain and there's a lot of work. Dr. John Sarno, MD in the United States, did a lot of work on how he, he was studying back injuries. I mean, he's got so many books. I don't even, I'll just try to summarize it. He was studying back injuries and he found that a lot of the back injuries were not structural like people with lower back pain, it wasn't structured at all on the x-rays and in the um, CT scans, it was actually emotional. And when he had them go through this intensive emotional therapy, most of their back pain cleaned, cleared up. And he had them all, he actually had them do stretching things too. I don't know if it was exactly yoga, but he had them do like these stretching routines, physical therapy, whatnot. Um, and so there's this, there's this element to to yin yoga that really speaks to that kind of investigation and what is the root causes or cause of this and how do I work my way through it like a rash or stomach issues or digestion. Um, 
And, you know, if I have a broken arm, I'm going to go to a Western medicine doctor. But if I have a broken heart, I should probably be going to a Chinese medicine person along with a therapist and along with doing yoga. I've got to reorient to my body because a broken arm can be healed pretty quickly, but a broken heart might take a long time. Um, yes, exactly. And the doctor doesn't know what broke your heart and what to do about it. How, what do you need to heal the the broken heart. He knows what to do to heal the broken bone, but not the broken heart. Yes. Um, and so I think there's, there's a paradigm shift. And, and like you said, you're, you cannot, there's no like side effect to yin yoga. So it's not like, you know, if you watch TV for 10 minutes in the US, which I don't recommend, I don't watch TV um, with commercials. But if you do, you I was recently in a hotel and I saw this commercial for a bipolar medication and it was like terrible. Anyway, and I'm not saying medications don't help people because they do. Listen to my podcast. I've said that. If you need one and you're in this terrible critical situation, please take one. But it was just like, this mom is sad. She just had a baby and she's sad and you should ask your doctor about this medication. And then, and then the auctioneer voice came on and said about 900 side effects, including death, that could result of having this medication. And I guess what I mean by that is it's like, you know what? That medication sure as heck might help that mom feel, not feel suicidal within two weeks. However, what are the long-term side effects of her being on that medication if she doesn't look at the root cause of why she's sad after having a child? and doesn't get some help around that in a more a holistic way versus a, a, a pinpoint intuitive symptom. You know, I call it whack-a-mole. Have you ever been to the carnival and seen that game where you have a club and you have to whack the moles that are coming up? Mm -hmm. Okay, so that's what I feel like a lot of medication management is. It's whack-a-mole. It's like, ah, I have this. It's like, oh, take this. Oh, I have this. Oh, take that. And I don't know if the second mole that I whacked was actually a side effect of the first thing that I took. So essentially we're trying to get deeper you know so if you're not in the emergency room and you're not like on the verge of death it's a good idea to try to investigate deeper um systemic approaches and i believe yin yoga is a very good systemic approach because for instance if somebody was coming and they were doing it there's no side effect it's not going to hurt them and then all of a sudden you know they say you know my pain is dissipated all in my shoulders but i still have this leg pain this lingering leg pain and maybe you as a practitioner could say, you know what, maybe you should go get an x-ray on your leg. And sure enough, maybe they had torn some ligament, right? But there was obviously no tearing going on in the yoga because it's a passive pose. And that's another thing, I guess we didn't, we, being practitioners, that just rolled off our tongue. But passive means that you're literally not going, you know, you're, you're not like, clenching your teeth with your legs in a certain way like you're literally feeling like you're laying down but you're laying down in such a position that stretching is occurring is that correct yes but we also use props a lot of props to help the body relax into a pose and um i don't like really when teachers go and push students into poses and i used to do that too but i don't do that anymore now because i learned so much about the individual anatomy of a person and um when a teacher pushes a person into a passive pose then of course the student can get injured because it's mm -hmm. just too much it's like a manipula manipulation from the outside and it's more than what the body was able to take 
but if you're really being um, mindful and just going as deep as it feels like a sweet form of pain and not a bitter form of pain, that's how I always try to describe it, to just feel the sweet um, pain, not the bitter pain, then you should be totally fine. And um, yeah, just use the props as many as you need. It's not a sign of weakness if you use props. It's just a possibility to make your body sink into the pose and pass away. Now, I have very tight shoulders and hips. So when I've been to yin yoga class um, in Scottsdale, where I spend part of the year, I use every prop imaginable. In fact, the teacher was like, you need more props. Get this bolster. And so what we mean by props is um, body pillows that are solid, sort of like sitting pillows, a rolled up blanket. Um, what else do you use? Yoga blocks. For example, you can use little towels to put them um, under your your wrists and your ankles and um, yeah, you, anything you can imagine. But pillows are super important and especially the bolsters, which is probably the most important um, prop in a yin practice. And what do these what do these props do for the person who's laying down in the pose? How do they help? For example, if a person is very tight and it's just not possible to reach the floor, for example, in a certain pose, then um, the person doesn't have to go too deep. But it can also just be the feeling like, okay, I feel supported. I feel like the earth is carrying me. And that's also important on the mental level. And in this way, the body can relax more. That's also something they use in restorative yoga where they use a lot of props. And then... Um, yeah, when you when you feel supported, that makes such a big difference. And you want to stay passive in the pose. And that's why the props can be super helpful to just give you that feeling. You, you can just let go and sink into the pose. The prop is going to hold you. And I, I think uh, if people have been through traumatic experiences or have a lot of fear in their life, there can be a lot of apprehension about letting go of control and or what I call perceived control. Uh, and so in those poses, I think I'm wondering if this is why, but I, it, we're holding these yin yoga poses for five minutes, like you said, maybe at least. And it might take that long for someone like myself, who's got very tight muscles to actually even fully relax. And I didn't realize that till I was in a class and I was in and I was laying down and the teacher had like showing me how to move all the props all over. And I was just like, like, I felt like I was like the tin man from the wizard of Oz. Like, and I was like this and she, and like my arms were out and they weren't like resting on the ground. And the teacher came over and they weren't trying to push, but they were like, they just poked me with their pointer finger and were like, what are you doing? And I was like, I'm holding the pose. She's like, this is not like the other type of yoga where you have to like hold some sort of pose out with your arms, like warrior one, this, you have to let your arms go down. And I was like, and then I realized it, I couldn't even do it. Like it took me like three minutes to like figure out how to get my arms all the way down onto the floor without one going up and the other one going down. And so I, it was, this is subconscious. Like I, I, I'm not like, I'm not exactly an athlete, but I'm not terribly unathletic. I do athletic things. And it took like different parts of my mind that I didn't know were there. And I probably aren't exercised very often to be able to let my shoulders down. And I was like, how is this so hard when I can go into another yoga class? Like I always went to the 
vinyasa and I could do all the warrior poses and all the cool stretches and do the shoulder stand and stand on my head and all this business that I was practicing, but I couldn't get my shoulders to go on the ground. Do you know, I'm not asking for a diagnosis, but do you know why that happens for some people? Well, maybe it's just because you, you are carrying the world on your shoulders and yeah, you don't really want to let that go or you're maybe too fearful to look into that and to admit what's all all there, which you don't really want to accept. Um, that could be one possibility. And um, when you want to let go of the shoulders, you also have to open the front side of your heart. And that's also emotionally um, very deep and can be very touching. And maybe you don't want to do that. Maybe you want to be in a more protective pose and you uh, round your shoulders because you don't want to open your heart. That is a good point because I think actually uh, in psychology, one of the biggest complaints we have uh, once you get past depression or anxiety or trauma is uh, I don't have any intimacy with my partner or my friends or my family. And the first part of the argument, and, and oftentimes is correct, is that they don't want any intimacy with me. But let's just say that's not true. And they do want intimacy with you in some way. Uh, what we find is that one of the most difficult things for people is not, um, not attempting to get intimacy from somebody, but it's allowing intimacy into their life. I don't exactly know if I explained that correctly, but essentially being vulnerable and uh, and taking a risk that they may be hurt by telling the truth or their truth or what they need in a situation. And so I think in a way that's protecting the heart. So sometimes, like you said, like I may not, I might've had the way the world on my shoulders. And as a therapist uh, at that time, when I was having that problem in yin yoga, which was probably 2010, about 10 years ago, I was actually in a social work position where I was working with like all these kids who had no parents and it was just this intense situation. So I think in a way I did feel that way um, because they didn't have anyone else really besides their protective childcare worker to help them. And it was terrible. Uh, so that does bring me to some phrases that were in your book, which I thought were interesting about how people may not even realize they're having a somatic response. So you said, I'm carrying the weight of the world on my shoulders. Um, you know, I'm, I'm sick and tired of it. I'm tired. I'm sick. I'm tired. This is a, these are slang words we're using, but they mean something physically. Uh, my stomach turned when I heard that. Uh, it took my breath away. My blood is boiling. My blood is up. My flesh is crawling. It's getting on my nerves. I'm getting something in my neck. It's freaking me out. These sort of things, these phrases that people use, can you talk a little bit about maybe what the unconscious uh, or subconscious meanings of some of these are? Well, sometimes we say these sentences and don't really think about what they mean. But when you look deeper, the answer can actually already be there. Like, for example, if you um, have a tinnitus, is that what you call it in English? Yeah, tinnitus. With the, tinnitus, when you, yes. when you have constant ringing in the ears that is actually, they think one theory is that it's your brain making those noises to compensate for hearing loss. Is one, yes. is, but also stress is the other theory. Mm -hmm. There's two things. Yeah. And if you have that, you could ask yourself, okay, what do I not want to hear? Maybe what am I turning away from? So I don't have to listen to that. And, um, yeah, sometimes that's just the, the symptom, symptom which, which comes because 
there is something in your body we don't you don't want to look at. There are oh. so many examples. So just just when you use a sentence like that, just say it again and think about it. What does that mean? Why am I saying that? Why did I choose these words now? I like that. Yes, I think it's it's really interesting when people slow down, and I'm saying slow down, and Yin Yoga is a perfect way to slow down. How how powerful? I mean, once they move through the fear of it, I suppose, or this, or the 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 new experience, how powerful you can become in yourself, and how empowered you can become to be able to do whatever you need to do in the world, and to be able to be the best version of yourself, and to be able to help others, and and to be uh, contributing in some way um, to the greater good. When we try to do it all on our own. And we just think everything's got to come from me and I've got to get it all right every time. And I got to achieve and achieve and I don't want to rely on other people or, or practices. Uh, we're really selling ourselves short and we're trying to reinvent the wheel and reinvent fire because yin yoga has been around for, I don't know how long, but yoga is like thousands and thousands of years old and yin yoga I'm sure has been part of it. I know that they, I know that certain teachers kind of helped make it a full class at some point, but the practices have been around since ancient people walk the earth and, and, you know, no, we're nomadic. Um, so there's something to this, um, practice and that's the issue. The heart one, of, I think one of the most difficult things in the Western world is to actually have a practice. That's an actual practice, meaning that you do it more than once a week or maybe even three or four times a week. Um, besides eating and sleeping. Uh, and a practice is an intentional thing we want to do to designate time in our life and in our day to do something intentionally in order to just do it. It doesn't mean that we're getting results. You do get results. I mean, but it's not about results. It's about it's about a certain way of living. And that way of living aligns you to something. And in yin yoga, it's aligning your body and your mind in certain ways that traditional Chinese medicine talks about. And we've talked about in this interviews so far but it's also about aligning to your purpose and aligning to a greater purpose and about um learning about what is my ego when is my ego talking and when is my deeper self talking i call the ego the little self because it's always angry about something or lacking something and, and our and our larger self is both strong and soft and and that can and that can really carry us and i think Especially for men here in the in the U.S., I think there's a huge lack of being vulnerable um, until they crack open through some tragic or uh, long argument. Um, and so the, the the practice of being able to have both yin and yang energy um, is important for people that are wanting to do great things, but also for people that don't need to do great things that just quote unquote, great things, whatever, whatever that means, just want to do a simple life and to take care of people or to take care of plants and animals. Um, it's important to have both. Uh, and I think the yin is the balancer, because otherwise, we'll just have yang. And then that's just a big circle. And there's no balance in that. Um, I wanted to ask you about a few things that came to mind, such as yin yoga, for different um, populations, such as, I'm just going to list a few, and then you can talk about it. Children, pregnant women, and older 
uh, people or people with reduced mobility? Well, it's great for children as well. Usually children are in the young energy and that is good. But um, nowadays, a lot of kids are in an excess of young energy, especially when they are on their cell phones the whole day and uh, also at night. And um, they also need that yin practice, but in a different way. It's a good idea to um, tell stories when they are in the poses. Like, for example, one pose is called frog pose, and then you can make up a story about a frog. And um, then pregnant women, that's also a great idea because a pregnant woman wants to get soft to give birth. And that's exactly what the yin practice does. Of course, um, the bigger the belly gets, the harder it, uh, it is to get into the poses. But that's also when we take um, the props again to make the poses possible. And for elderly people, it's also a great idea because elderly people get very stiff and dry in their bodies. And um, when they practice yin, they get that suppleness um, back. Their fascia gets rehydrated again. And um, they oftentimes feel that really quickly. Like when they do one class, they can already tell a difference. So actually... I think it's for everybody, but um, you have to to use different approaches. Yes, uh, there's a physical therapist friend of mine who says motion is lotion. And if you don't use it, you lose it. These are little fun phrases that we can remember. But I do think those, those, those are true in um, the medicine and in the arts. Um, because I've, I was thinking about this concept, and I'm just going to bring it up because... I, I used to joke with my yoga teacher that I spend eight hours doing anti-yoga um, where I sit in a chair and I, I now have like more comfortable chairs with nice pillows to help support my lumbar spine and all that. But I'm doing the anti-yoga all day and then I'm bending forward on a computer or I'm on a phone and luckily now I use headphones so that I don't have to like hold a phone to my head um, and whatnot. But still, uh, we're doing this anti-yoga, which means I'm not stretching and opening. I'm closing and I'm closing and restricting, and I'm restricting the blood movement and I'm restricting my movement. And and um, in the U.S. especially, and and I don't want to speak for all elderly people, but a lot of elderly people who aren't particularly active and maybe need extra help, they are put in these sort of homes where people take care of them and. I visited many of these homes and it's very sad. I mean, there's definitely been a resurgence of like movement classes and yoga and things for older folks, but in a lot of the homes, there is none. And they just sit in a chair and watch television all day and then they get moved to the bed. And this is like, just th I'm thinking these older folks have so much life left in them, but they're not using their bodies and well, or their minds sometimes in, in these places. And it's, it's a little bit sad. So I like that it is, can be for older folks too, because it's also gentle. And I think about when I was learning about traditional Chinese culture back, back kind of how it was a while ago, uh, in, the, in, in the community square, there'd be Tai Chi going on and people would be 90 years old doing the Tai Chi and there'd be little kids doing the Tai Chi. Of course, the kids did a little bit of their own version, but I, th I thought about how important it, it could be in Western culture to bring back um, the tradition of community or group practices or exercise. Um, I, outside of the gym, we call it the gym here, you know, the little, the, the classroom or whatever, uh, to, to get people into that. And I wonder what, 
I don't, I don't know. I've never lived in a collectivist society, but I really wonder what would happen if people were doing yin yoga and yoga and other forms of yoga. Uh, I wonder how we would treat each other. I wonder how our economic systems and environmental systems would reflect that uh, in the culture. I don't know. I'm, it'd be fun, but I, it'd be really difficult to probably put in place. But I guess that the whole point is that this is for everyone and anyone can try it. And if you've never done a practice of any type before, whether it be journaling or reading or um, going on intentional walks and uh, in, in, the, in nature or um, whatever you do, riding your bike, um, it's important to think about the fact that you only get so much time on the planet. And what, are you, wh what do you spend your time doing and, and how do you recharge? And so one of the things... I was thinking about is yin yoga is a great recharger um, because you are passively letting things align, which can bring you to a better clarity. I know that the best part of yoga, the other type of yoga, the yang yoga, the vinyasa, to my opinion, is shavasana, which is also known as corpse pose. And that's after you've been sweating for 50 minutes in the active yoga, and then you lay down on the mat and they play music or something, and then they go around and, you know, I don't know, say something to you and then you lay there and then I always fall asleep, uh, pretty much always. And I think that's a sign, right? Uh, but <laughs> maybe I need more sleep. But uh, I always had really cool dreams when I was in there until the teachers had to snap their fingers and wake me up. Uh, and I, I wonder about how, you know, I had like the most interesting thoughts. In fact, some of my best ideas came during yoga class or right afterwards. And I did some yin yoga classes, but it's, it's interesting when, if you can start to feel before and after. So if, if you haven't done it and you're out there, you can definitely try it. And actually, Stephanie, I was wondering, can you tell us a little bit about how people can get involved, especially right now during COVID-19, um, most states in the U.S. still have um, restrictions going on and uh especially even in this state right now where we're starting to open up with masks on wearing masks everywhere the, none of the exercise places are open at all so i know some yoga studios have been doing yoga outside in the parks and whatnot um to be safe uh but how can people get involved in yin yoga and can they get involved with you in some way um yes i have a youtube channel where they can just practice for free and check out if if this practice is a fit for them they could just um take a look at my book and try some of the poses themselves and currently i'm working on an online platform where um, new videos can be streamed regarding sequences for ailments and yeah i'm, I'm still working on that Oh, excellent. So you, they can actually, I did see you had a YouTube channel. I didn't realize it was actually free classes. Okay. That's very cool. And do, do you still teach yoga um, in Germany? Yes, I'm, a, I'm actually, I'm a yin yoga um, teacher trainer. I don't do the regular classes anymore, but just teacher trainings. And um, due to the pandemic, I'm also doing that online now a lot. So can people outside of Germany take your classes um, to become a yin yoga teacher? Yes, they could. I'm doing most um, of the trainings in German um, still, but I'm also working on doing the trainings in English in the future. Okay, excellent. So that seems very exciting for people that are wanting to get into it, because I bet you if I put the word yoga in this podcast title, so a lot of 
uh, we call them yogis over here, will probably be interested in listening and they'll find out it's about yin yoga, which is not as um, known, I suppose, right now, at least over here in the US. So that's really cool. And I do really recommend the book. I've been reading it and it's so easy to read. And it was so, and I, what I mean by that is it just like, I, I was like, oh, here's this, here's the, here's what this does. And here's what this does. And then I was like, oh, I have questions. And I just like turned the page and then that my question was answered. And so um, I like how you wrote that. Uh, it's wonderful. Did you, did you write this? Your, did you, did you have any help or was this just, you wrote this? No, I, I just do that myself. It's like when I connect to my soul, then it just flows through me. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, because this is not even your first language at all. So that's why I was also like, I was like, wow, this is just well written. And to think that you've mostly written in German before. So that's very, very awesome. I liked it a lot. Thank um, you. Yeah, absolutely. What, um, what do you, what do you want to tell the listeners out there that may be listening? Is there anything that you wanted to say, like words of advice? Because uh, right now, I think a lot of the world has been thrown into a new way of being with the COVID nineteen, and also in the U.S., we're having uh, a lot of social unrest due to uh, unjust uh, uh, killings of African American people by police officers here. So there's a lot of turmoil going on. Uh, around in the US especially and I'm sure around the world there there always is it just depends what news you're reading but what what advice do you have for people out there who are kind of going through a rough time and kind of feel a little scrambled by the, all these changes well i recommend to dive into stillness every day no matter how busy your day was please take at least 5 minutes every day close the door behind you and say this is 5 minutes of me time maybe these five minutes will get to 10 minutes or 15 minutes. And then just observe, why are you feeling anxious? What's behind that? What can you do about that? How can you heal that emotion? What does it want to tell you? And don't judge, just watch. It's everything, anything you feel is, is all right. Anything you feel is allowed. There is no need to judge anything. Just to see what is there inside of you and what do you need to heal that. Oh, I love that. So I'm going to leave our our listeners with that. And I will have all of Stephanie's information and her books in the notes. And I really appreciate you spending this time with me, Stephanie, out of your day. And thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me on, Paul. I really appreciate it. It was so much fun. <laughs> And there you have it. This has been another episode of the Intentional Clinician Podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please share it with people you know. I would surely appreciate it. Until next time on the Intentional Clinician, I'm wishing you a safe and peaceful week. If you are looking for an Emdria consultant, I am an Emdria consultant in training and can provide 15 of the 20 hours needed to become Emdria certified. If you want to know more, check out the details at counselingsupervisorgr.com. The Michigan Mental Health Counselors Association is working to increase education, promote best practices, and working to keep licensed professional counselors and other professionals accessible by the public. If you want to get involved, please check out the website that is in the show notes and donate or join. You can also donate 
or join to the American Mental Health Counselors Association or the American Counseling Association, which is helping to bring mental health services to the mainstream so that we can actually take advantage of prevention instead of responding to a crisis. The recording you just listened to consists of the personal opinions of Paul Krauss and his guest, and while these are based upon the literature they have read and their experience in their respective fields, all of this recording should not be viewed as a definitive opinion on this or any subject. Listening to this podcast is not a substitute for treatment. If you are in a crisis, please dial 911 right now or the National Suicide Prevention line at 1-800-273-8255. If you are a young person of color, feeling down, stressed, or overwhelmed, text the word Steve, that's S-T-E-V-E, to 741741, that's Steve, text to 741741, and a live, trained crisis counselor will respond. If you are in need of counseling, do not hesitate to make an appointment with a local counselor in your area. Make sure they are a licensed professional counselor, hopefully that is trauma-informed and up-to-date on the latest practices, and not a life coach or some other type of pseudo-therapist. You can make an appointment with the excellent clinicians in the Grand Rapids area at the Health for Life Grand Rapids Clinic and the Trauma-Informed Counseling Center of Grand Rapids by visiting our website, www.healthforlifegr.com. That's www.healthforlifegr, as in Grand Rapids, .com. We have a contact form, and you can check out all of our therapists on that website. Due to um, the new telehealth laws in Michigan, if you are anywhere and you are not near a counselor that you feel comfortable working with and cannot find somebody in your area, you can actually apply to be having online counseling with one of our therapists at healthforlifegr.com. And if the situation works out, we can work with you no matter where you live in Michigan. All right. Thanks for listening. This has been Paul Kraus of the Intentional Clinician Podcast. Okay. Um, what part of Germany are you in, actually? Um, West Germany, close to Cologne. Oh, okay. Yeah. My grandfather immigrated uh, from Germany and uh, from Saxony, Germany. Oh, really? For, but, so, uh, well, yeah, I figured because your last name sounds German. <laughs> yeah, he's actually from Sosa. Um, mm-hmm. But it was a mine back then. I think it's a resort now. Mm-hmm. So, but anyway, that's my connection because my grandfather's from from there, and then uh, and then he lived here for his whole life. So, or the United, he lived in Chicago. So, <laughs> so have you ever been to Germany? Then I've been to Germany. I, I've been all over Europe a few times, but um, I I haven't spent much time in Germany. I believe I was in Frankfurt and Munich, but I didn't get like a full tour, and so I was hoping to go back this fall. And that that's probably not happening. <laughs> yeah. So maybe next year we'll be getting back to uh, actually do a real tour of it.